Hello and welcome to the Mindful Men podcast, the show helping men to open up about manhood. My name is Simon Rennie and my aim is to get men talking. From mental health to fatherhood and everything in between, Mindful Men creates a safe space for conversation. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you for joining me. It means a world for you to join me and talk about men's issues. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe and share the episode with your mates. You can also join the conversation on Instagram and YouTube, and I'd love to connect with you there. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's get mindful. G'day guys, and welcome to episode 30 of the Mindful Men podcast. My name is Simon Rennie, and I'm the man behind Mindful Men. Well, it's been a big few months for me and the family, and I wanted to give a bit of an update on what's been going on. I touched on this as a guest on Josh Binger's On The Men podcast, and I recommend that you check that out as I had a great chat with Josh about all things mindful men. Now, one of those things we talked about was me quitting my job to start my business. Yep, I quit. I resigned. I said goodbye to the only career I've ever really known. So in this episode, I wanted to talk through how all this came about. If you've been tuning in regularly, you'll know that when I was in my teens, I was going through my darkest days with depression, anxiety, and obsessive compulsive disorder. I was struggling for years, and at one point, I wanted it all to end. But somehow I kept pushing forward, and towards the end of high school, I started thinking about my career choices, and I told myself that I wanted to help people with mental health issues just like mine. But as I highlighted back in episode eight, where I talk about finding new purpose as a mature age student, I didn't end up studying a degree that could help me achieve this goal. As it turned out, after uni finished in my undergrad, I spent the next 15 years in the public service. And over that time, I've done some pretty amazing things and worked with some pretty amazing people. But I've also done some dead boring work. I felt undervalued. At times, I felt that no matter how hard I tried, my work was no less or more important than other people who did bugger all. When asked for feedback on policies, projects, programs, systems, and people, and I gave that feedback, you can't help but feel that it's just largely ignored. I've experienced pay freezes for years on end and worker rights ignored or even taken away. I've experienced change fatigue and change for change's sake, but not change in a good way. I've experienced connection with agency values but also disconnection when the focus turns away from people to KPIs. People become numbers. Staff become dispensable. And loyalty, hard work and worldly perspectives ultimately means nothing. I saw this with my wife a few months ago. She had been in the same government agency for her entire public service career, which spanned 14 years. Compare that to me and I've been in a whole bunch of different agencies. My wife was recognised as a leader and a damn hard worker, yet she was also overlooked for ongoing leadership positions because, well, for the last five years, she's been a mum. She's been a part-time worker and she had taken the leave when the kids got sick and all of this made her unreliable. She was overlooked for leadership positions because business requirements needed people in leadership who were full-time. 
The social worker in me screamed out that this was discrimination. Discrimination for being a mum. But my wife isn't one to cause drama. So she slowly but surely started looking externally. And amazingly, she found a job in the private sector that couldn't care less if she was a mum or a part-time worker. They only cared that she fit in with the values of the organisation and that she could do her job. And it's been an amazing move for her. And she hasn't looked back. Yet when we reflect back on her leaving her old job in an agency where she'd been for 14 years, her farewell was just a rushed morning tea. This got me reflecting on my own situation. I too was part-time. I too was good in leadership, yet opportunities passed me by. I'd been trying to implement organisational change from a grassroots level, but each door I knocked on remained shut. I felt replaceable. I felt like I didn't matter if I was there or not. The agency would just put someone else in my seat and move on without me. And before long, I'd be forgotten. Just a distant memory of someone who used to crack jokes about random things and sing one-liners from songs that dads usually only sing about in the shower. After 15 years, I too was looking outwards, but not from the agency, but out of the industry. Having finished my Masters of Social Work at the end of 2021, I now had the piece of paper that qualified me to provide support to people experiencing mental illness. Yep, I was a step closer to realizing that dream I had when I was in my teams of helping people just like me, but I was stuck in this career. So how was I stuck? Well, there wasn't many jobs around for social workers working in mental health. But actually, let me reframe that. There are jobs, but organizations want accredited mental health social workers because with accreditation, you can support people with mental health care plans. These plans enable people to receive subsidized therapy sessions. So instead of paying $200 an hour to see a mental health professional, you only need to pay about half of that whilst the government picks up the rest. And additionally, accreditation also gives therapists access to private health clients as well. So how do you become an accredited mental health social worker? In a very basic way, you need to complete about two years full-time work in a mental health role. And that's over 3,000 hours. You need to do more learning and more supervision and then sit an exam. Now, I don't have an issue with this, but it's hard to obtain when job adverts either say that they want you to have the accreditation or be about to get it. But for new grads, how do you get this if you can't get a foot in the door? For me, it meant starting my own business. And here lied a problem. Because I didn't have mental health accreditation, doctors wouldn't be referring to me. So where was I going to get clients? Well, private paying clients is one. But where else? A lot of therapists in private practice have been supporting clients with funding from the National Disability Insurance Scheme, or the NDIS. And this is great because it pays the equivalent of an accredited mental health social worker, and you don't need accreditation to do it. But my problem was I worked for the government agency that funded the NDIS scheme. So here was my conflict of interest. And it had me a little stuck, but I still wanted to push forward because I wanted out. I wanted out of the public service and into my own business. But like most people, I've got bills to pay. A mortgage, food, school fees, childcare fees, utilities, car expenses. These were all getting serviced by my public service salary. 
It was safe money. And I was a permanent employee. So it was a safe job. So my wife and I set up a plan to start slowly. Take private paying clients one day a week. Then as more clients come on board, drop a day of work. And I'll do this until I was ready to resign from the public service for good. So for the first half of 2022, I was in this thought mode, but I wasn't getting anywhere fast. If you listen to episode on the anxiety arc, I was avoiding doing tasks like setting up my business website. And this was caused by fears created through imposter syndrome. So my plan stalled and I stayed in my safe job. But over time, my mind turned away from what I was doing to what I wanted to be doing. I increasingly felt burned out. My depression and anxiety and OCD spiked. And I started taking mental health days. My workloads blew out. I was getting triggered by thoughts of my previous burnout and 15 years of having no capacity to influence real and positive institutional change. This is not to say I didn't feel a sense of accomplishment with my job. And in particular, over the last four years, I've helped so many NDIS participants access disability supports by approving their funding. And this has been awesome. I will always cherish this memory as a highlight of my career, but I still felt empty. Being a public servant wasn't my dream. It was just a job. My sick days started stacking up and I started even getting suicidal ideation. This freaked me out because I didn't have this since my high school days. I don't know why I was feeling like this, but I guess it was my mind and body telling me that it was time for a change. So I went back to the GP. I got a new mental health care plan, some new meds, and I booked a psychologist. During my psychology sessions, I would focus on all the things that were hurting me. High caseloads, trigger points, feeling lonely, feeling undervalued, and feeling like I was lost and like a number. I thought I was stressed because my business wasn't going anywhere, but what I was actually stressed about was being in a job that I had disconnected from. My values no longer aligned with the work that I was doing. They were similar, but very different in terms of how they were delivered. I really don't sit well with KPIs and seeing people as numbers. But in large government organisations, that's what happens. I really just wanted to help people at that face level. I wanted to see them smile when I gave them a tip to feel better about themselves. All those tears when they finally let go of something that they've bottled up for way too long. You don't get this in the public service. You usually just get angry people who have tried to talk to someone, but they get ignored or diverted between business areas or sent to an online form or system to upload documents. And the only feedback you tend to get is when you've stuffed something up. This didn't sit well with me, but it is what I had experienced over and over again in my career. The longer my mental health leave went on, the more questions I started getting asked about my return to work. When am I coming back? What have I been doing? What will my workload be? I got sick of it in the end, but the fix came from an unexpected source. A few months ago, my wife and I put an order in for a new ute, a Toyota Hilux. I've always wanted one of these, basically because the model is an SR, which are my initials. It seemed like a stupid reason to like a car, but that's what drew me to it. Plus, they're actually good cars and they'll run forever. 
So we put the order in and we had the cash ready to go. And we actually hoped by saying that we had the cash ready to go that it would speed up the delivery. But like anything at the moment, the delivery would take a long time and actually about six months, if not longer. So we waited for three months. And when we called to get an update, the car wasn't even built yet. I got fed up with this and started looking for secondhand utes. These were also rare as hen's teeth because car yards haven't been able to keep up with demand because of delays in building and shipping new cars. But in early July, we found one for half the price that we would have spent on the new one. And we bought it. A Toyota Hilux SR model, the car that I've always wanted. And I love it. Sure, it's done a few more Ks than I would have liked, but that's okay. But as we made this decision, we also decided for me to use the rest of the money we would have spent on the new car and set it aside to pay bills whilst I get my business up and running. And I'm talking fully. Not one day a week with just private clients. I'm talking leave the public service and book clients in throughout the week. And not just private paying, but also the NDIS participants, because that conflict of interest was now gone. So we made the very hard decision for me to quit the only career I've ever known. After 15 years, on 19th of July, 2022, I had a video call with my work to let them know the news. This was a hard call to make and I was bawling my eyes out, but it was the right decision and I feel 10 times better having made it. Sure, I'm freaking out at the thought of trying to find my own clients, but I'm confident that they will come. But I'm also excited. Now I will have the time freedom to work when I want. If the kids are sick, I can work around clients to look after them. I'm not restricted to that nine to five time slot and can work when I want to. I can work hard and get rewarded for hard work. I can implement change without having to ask anyone for permission. I can connect with people and businesses without worrying about government processes for doing such a thing. I can engage in political discourse, whereas for 15 years I've had to remain apolitical. I can build an empire or be just okay with enough to get by, plus a little on the side. And if it all doesn't work out, at least I've tried. I've learned a whole bunch of business skills. I've shown myself that I can do hard things. I can remind myself that there is more to life than a safe job in a safe industry. I can reconnect with work that fills my cup and aligns with my values. I can be me, totally without restriction or policy or procedure telling me to be someone I'm not. And most importantly, the clients that I work with won't be a number. They'll be people with names. So what now, two days later after making that call to work? Well, I'm using the remainder of my annual leave so I can get everything set up. I'm going to finally finish that website, set up my systems and start marketing. I'm going to start networking with like-minded people. I'm going to live my dream of running my own business and do what I can to make a real difference in people's lives. So there it is. Why I quit my job to start a business. I'll be sharing lots more of my business journey now. So stay tuned for more lessons learned along the way. But before I go, I recognize that not everyone has the means to just quit their jobs if they're feeling the same. In fact, I didn't have the means for most of my career. But you can do things to get the ball rolling. Perhaps some study towards a career that you're passionate about. Maybe it's learning about business skills. 
I'm part of a bunch of private practice Facebook groups who are all sharing insights into running private practice businesses. Maybe it's taking that long service leave to set things up rather than go on a holiday. Whatever you've got to do to make your dreams a reality, start pursuing it. Write lists, tick off tasks, and keep pushing forward. Life's too short to die wondering what if. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Simon Rinney. Until next time, stay mindful. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode and I hope you got some value from it. If anything triggered your mental health today, please reach out to your support networks. Also, if you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your mates. For more from Mindful Men, you can check us out on Instagram and YouTube and I'll throw the links to these pages in the show notes below. But until next time, stay mindful.